flight attendants to, I'm, I'm not getting a signal back there. If the flight attendants could please either call up here to the cockpit or come to the door. Again, looking for the flight attendants for some kind of response. Hold on, folks. Okay, so I just got confirmation from the radio tower back in Dallas that uh, I'm not sure how this happened, but it seems that we've left the flight attendants back at the airport. I do remember feeling like we were rushing out of there, and I actually closed the cabin door, and then I was, I don't remember looking to see if the flight attendants were here or not. I, I just, you know, we had the runway, so, uh, Dallas is asking us to return to the airport, but, um, you know, we're already about, we're a good 35 minutes outside of Dallas, folks, I say, let's just keep going, is there anybody on the flight who has been a flight attendant before, or waitress, or I'm gonna, any kind of like, uh, even if you've done extensive work in your own kitchen, I'm gonna ask you to come on up. We're gonna, you know, come up to the cockpit here. Just knock loudly. That door is very thick. Folks, I'm, I'm looking at my co-pilot and I'm not getting anything from the co-pilot on this. I asked, hey, can't seem to recall there ever being a flight attendant on this flight this evening. Now they're looking at me kind of blankly, and I'm looking at them, and I'm just wondering who's going to get blamed for this, but you know what, that shouldn't concern you whatsoever. I'm going to continue with the flight here. So, folks, there is a cart there. I don't know if anyone sees the carts. They're both at the center, uh, front of the plane, and the far back of the plane. There's, if you go ahead and just note that, I think that there's some kind of switch at the bottom that allows the wheels to lock or not. I'm just wondering if we could get two coffees. I'm going to go ahead and just prop open the cockpit door. Okay, so it's going to make it a lot easier to communicate with whoever's going to do this now. Again, against regulation, not to fly with flight attendants, but you know, and also have this cockpit door open, but I'm thinking what are the chances that, you know, when you think about it, what are the chances that I actually took off without the flight attendants and there's a terrorist on this plane. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and prop the cockpit door open. We like to get those coffees at any time soon. That would be great. And just sit back. If you're not actually becoming a flight attendant or, or, or panning up beverages, we want you to enjoy this flight here on Airborne Airlines.
Believe me, when you have an opportunity, you can't just do it once. Of course, your appearance is very important. Not just how you dress, but your makeup and hair. A beauty consultant is employed at the school to advise each trainee. Even Tali took the opportunity to talk about application of makeup and received some good advice on skincare, grooming, and her total look. Also at the school is a simulated 727 cabin. Okay, Kathy now has gone back to get more meals. So Paddy on the trolley said, I need some more meals, please. Here come the more meals. Where do they go? Joe? 
Okay. The questions are still being fired at the students, and they have to be on the ball. Believe it or not, this is during their lunch break. An in-flight meal is served to them by their instructors, and apart from answering questions, they are required to watch how it's all done. I didn't get it easy either. I had to clean up. And while I was tipping and pouring my way through that, Tali was dishing it out. Now, don't be daunted by all this work. If you really want to become a flight attendant, ask an expert. How are you finding the course so far? Well, it's totally not what I expected. Um, when I first heard that I was accepted as a flight attendant, I quite expected to learn how to serve food and deliver it to people, and that was about it. But there's a lot more to it that, that really the general public don't understand. So it's a lot harder than you thought it would be? Oh, yes. A lot more theory, yeah. I think that everyone sort of got the notion that once you got through those uh, interviews, the three interviews, and went through all the, the screenings and that, that you'd made the grade. But in actual fact, when you, when you get here, you suddenly realise, my goodness, I'm just at the start of it. You're learning about food and how to uh, serve it and things like that. What else? Well... There's just so many procedures. I mean, learning to serve food, but you've got to follow steps when you serve the food. You can't just say, there's your meal. You don't need it. Yes, you've got to... Like yeah, that's right. You've got to just watch what you're doing and there's steps to follow. So, but that's the same with everything that we learn. Single people, it's an ideal occupation because they get to see all of Australia and, you know, you spend a lot of overnights in ports and places that you've probably never been if you weren't a flight attendant. That's the student's point of view. But what about Peter West, one of the instructors? Is it a very rewarding career? Yes, it is. It, it's a, an enjoyable career. It's one of those careers that the more you put in, the more you get out of it. You get an opportunity to travel to different places and, and meet a lot of different people. A lot of opportunities to do other things while you're at these different places, which other people normally wouldn't get to do. Overall, it is a very rewarding career and an enjoyable job. So the next time you see those magnificent aircraft cruising through the skies, take time out to think about the trainees we just saw, with their feet firmly planted on the ground and their eyes on the skies.
Back when I was a tour guide in New York City, I was on top of the bus on the second floor giving the tours, and downstairs there was the driver. And it was really a pretty important relationship, whether you got along or not. And we had kind of all kinds of drivers in the company, but a lot of them were pretty rough. You know, they were on work release programs. They had just gotten out of prison. And I kind of liked it that they were rough. It had kind of taught me to just have it out. The whole job was kind of geared towards getting it done. There wasn't a lot of room for being polite. It wasn't really unkind, but it wasn't particularly polite. You had to keep the thing moving. But one spring, I got a bid, a schedule, with this driver named Moses. Now Moses probably was about five foot five. He had kind of chubby cheeks. He was kind of doughy. He very sweet face, very sweet eyes. And he had this kind of aura of kindness. People called Moses a mama's boy, that he actually was kind of a mama's boy and he actually lived up in Harlem with his mama. And there was a kind of sense about Moses amongst the other drivers particularly that he just wasn't really tough enough for the job. And he just kind of radiated this kindness that seemed really out of place, and for me, really distracting. If somebody had a problem, if someone needed information, he would really settle down and spend time with them and try to help them understand. Probably like the other drivers, I had a fair level of scorn for this. I'd be watching him, and I'd be waiting, and we'd be on 42nd Street, and I would be thinking about the traffic that was about to hit us when we turned up 3rd Avenue. He'd be sitting there, kindly talking to German and Italian tourists, trying to help them understand whether they should or should not buy the ticket. And in some ways, I was just so baffled by his behavior. It was so foreign that I didn't really feel like I could say anything to him. I kind of just sat back and watched it because it was so unusual. But there was a benefit to that because having sat back and watched it slowly, and I'm talking really slowly, I'm talking over the course of months, it really dawned on me that what Moses was doing, it didn't actually slow us down. Like if it had been me, I just would have kind of brushed off the German and Italian tourists. You know, nine times out of 10, we would probably be leaving the stop and the dispatcher or the ticket sellers would call us back. So we really wouldn't be saving any time at all. And in fact, what I was doing often took us more time than if we had just stopped and explained what the person needed to hear. And that the other thing is that the rudeness wouldn't just slow us down. It just spread bad vibes through the bus. At the end of my tour with Moses, at the end of three months, I began to realize, you know, not only was it good to be polite for all kinds of reasons, it was actually good to be polite because it actually was efficient. That politeness was efficiency of a kind. Years later, my last driver, guy I went out on my last schedule, Jose, well, we got along. But he used to actually give me grief about my politeness because I had adopted Moses' attitude. And I really had become Moses in the same way that I treated people. I didn't rush things. And I made sure they felt taken care of, whether or not they were getting on the bus or not, or whether or not they even had any intention of buying a ticket or getting on the bus. I had become a Moses myself. And my driver, Jose, he would be like, what are you doing? Let's get going. And I think I just said, listen, I said, Jose, watch. I don't actually think this is going to rob us of any time. And towards the end of the bit, he said, you know what? You're right. I've been watching you, and I've been watching the clock, and it doesn't take any time away from us. Jose had become another Moses as well. And at the end of that tour, at the end of those three months, you had two Moseses on that bus. 
And I gotta think that Jose took that forward and infected another tour guide with politeness and that the wheels are turning kindly and smoothly and efficiently down in the city. this hour that we're about to close out the first hour of the show it has been a workshop special if you want to listen to this episode or any other episode of our show both the first and second hour the first hour being barbarian in the valley the second hour being the free associates well you can find us at barbarianinthevalley.com or you can just go to any podcast platform in the world and find both shows That's right, Barbarian in the Valley or the Free Associates on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and all that stuff. 
So stay tuned, folks, because in a minute, we're going to go free associate, and we're about to free associate, and I can't even really quite free associate, but when I get there, boy, there shall be some free association. So stay tuned. 